is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Craig Bowler, Jack, coming up here momentarily. Bowler's interview brought to you by our friends at Mountain Land Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. We are expecting jazz media availability at some point during the 5 o'clock hour as well, so stay tuned for that. We just don't know specifically when. Yeah, it's always a mystery. Could come at any moment. And we'll we'll get to it as soon as it comes. Uh, we're expecting to hear today from Coach Snyder as well as Joe Ingles. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what uh, Quinn has to say and uh, Joe's observation from the uh, view of the players on the court. I'm sure that they are frustrated right now and eager to get this thing corrected. Yeah. All right, out to the zone phone we go. He is the television voice of the Utah Jazz. And our good friend Craig Bowler, Jack, what's up, Bowler? Hey, Jake. Gordon, how are you? Hey, I love it that I'm getting uh, my Bowler Jack fixed twice in one day. You know what? When hands went away, Scotty said, can you? And I said, I shall. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. We talked about about everything in the book today. My goodness. I wasn't sure about uh, Scotty's sort of renegade manner in which he brought up sugar. And and I know, I know how close you were to that dog. And Scotty just seemed kind of cavalier tossing it to and fro the way he did. Well, the sad thing, Jake and Gordon, is that I'm not, sadly, I'm not sure if he's an animal lover. I mean, <laughs> I mean sugar was special now. Yeah. Let's be honest. But. When he started talking about Traegers, I, you know, we had to turn the conversation another way. I said, "Come on now." No, it was it was a crazy show, but we had fun. And uh, like you guys are trying to do is break down <laughs> what's going to happen tomorrow night, right? I did. I don't know if you did, Jake or Gordon. I just got the Clippers uh, injury report. Kawhi is not on it. So uh, it, the only <clears throat> mention is Serge, uh, uh, um, who's out with back surgery. So. That's it. No Kawhi. I thought maybe he tweaked the knee, but uh, Ibaka is the only one on that is on that list. Hmm. So, so play on. So Bowler, what as you've thought about this, and I'm sure it's been on your mind ever since you've witnessed games three and four. What what are you expecting the Jazz to do to uh, to get the ship righted? Well, it's a great question. Um, I think Quinn said it. Last night, as I was listening in on the TNT mic'd up segment, you know, playing in our heads, and yeah. there there may be some truth to that, Gordo. Uh, you know, go out and play. Why did you win 52 games? Why did you have the best record in the NBA? And look, this is a different time of year, as we all know. Uh, playoff NBA playoff basketball is another high high level of of play and. Emotion, And I just think at the moment, Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Zubats, Kawhi, those guys are just playing at a different level of intensity. Their, their defense is impressive, mind you. I think they have gotten to the heads of the Jazz. Uh, they attack early. They shut down, and they're doubling down on Donovan without Mike Conley. They know who the go-to guy is. And then they also, you know, bring draw Rudy out because they go small. Then Zubac comes in and becomes a physical presence and draws him back down to the to the baseline. And Jake, I'd say the other thing that I'm impressed with is their mid range game. Um, look, they can hit the three, but I'm impressed with just the way they're able to pull the trigger, especially Kawhi and Paul George, uh, and knock down 15, 17 foot jump shots when the Jazz are trying to, you know, get in their face, put a hand up, but yet they have enough space to get separation and hit that shot. We've seen it multiple times, even in Salt Lake, but even more so uh, in L.A. 
and they're playing with a lot of uh, a lot of confidence right now. Uh, I think the Jazz got to help themselves. I mean, you know, hit shots sounds easy, right? This team was one of the most dynamic three-point shooting clubs in the league uh, franchises in the league this year, but without Mike Conley, the spacing, the crowding seems to be a huge problem, and also. Uh, there's not a lot of rim play. Uh, Gobert hasn't had a lot of touches thus far. So how do you change that? You know, I'm glad I'm not a head coach. But, you know, it's tomorrow night's going to be an important one. I mean, that could be a – that's obviously could be a game changer, a series changer uh, tomorrow night in Salt Lake. As you know, Bowler, one of the fun parts about doing sports radio is you get to do the autopsy on games, and oftentimes you just sure. over, oversimplify it and act like you know what you're talking about. But uh, Gordon and I were doing that earlier today, and we both agreed that ball movement in the first quarter was a huge problem, that when that ball sticks, and we've we've all seen it, we can picture it in our minds, right? That, I can see it right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know how they do it, but that seems key to me. No, I totally agree. It's a half-court game. There's nothing else. I mean, the Jazz don't seem to be pushing the ball. Uh, as they say also in basketball lingo, pickup points seem to be high where the, the Clippers understand what the Jazz want to do so they get them quickly. And the other simplification, in my opinion, is every time you score, like the Clippers, and they've been incredible with their in their shooting percentage, at home especially, is when the ball comes out of the net, then you just have to take it out of bounds and start your process, right? And right when you do, 24-second shot clock begins to tick away pretty quick. But on a missed shot, and the Jazz have been obviously victimized on this, is if you don't get an offensive rebound, then it's the other way. And that's where the Jazz, to me, is the polar opposite of how the Clippers are playing. They're making shots, forcing the Jazz, into a half-court set, which, again, allows them to crowd Donovan. And there's just no flow. And the Jazz are best when they have space. They go around the perimeter of, of, of the floor and find the open, the open man. The other part of this equation, too, is short shot clock, which rushes a shot, and the Jazz have been victimized there as well. So if you make shots, the game's pretty easy. Uh, if you can't get offensive rebounds – it makes it even more difficult because they're going the other way and they're going fast because it's a talented team. You know, this team was picked to win it uh, along with the Lakers. It was going to be a Laker duel, duel, right, with the Clippers. I wasn't real positive about the, the chemistry, and I didn't see much of it in Salt Lake, but the last two games in L.A. with Beverly's defense, his mindset, and even a guy coming off the bench in Luke Kennard, you know, he's thrown some damage. He's hit some threes against the Jazz, and I didn't expect that. And right now the bench is also being outplayed, and that's another problem the Jazz have got to fix. Well, Jake and I were talking about this earlier. I have a theory, I and it's not exactly rocket science here, but I think Donovan Mitchell really is hurt. Um, I, I, I think he's playing hurt, and he's doing many spectacular things. Uh but I'm not seeing the same verticality out of him as we usually see. Did you notice on that jump ball with Patrick Beverly last night? Yes. Beverly won that. I just saw. Wait a minute. That's not. Uh, that's not Donovan jumping the way we know he can. So it. It may. I don't know. All of it. I don't see the thunderous dunks. I don't even see attempts at that right now. He's playing. Uh, horizontally, it seems like, and he's doing a lot of terrific things, although he's also probably pressing a little bit and, and not really <laughs> completely efficient right now. But, but, but he's, he's playing well. Uh, do, you think he's, do you think he's hurting? I don't think anybody feels good this time of year, but I know what you're saying. Uh, he's been hit and knocked to the ground multiple times in L.A., and the trip by Paul George, I still just kind of, pull my arm sometimes and say, really? Come on. Um, and then when he lifted off the floor, and I wondered how, what did he do to, to strain? Does he have a calf strain? I don't know. But I do applaud his efforts of what he's doing. Gordo, to your point, look what he's still been able to do. Jake, 37 points last night. And he still got to the free throw line 15 times. And he made 13 free throws. I mean, you got to tip your hat. This guy, six consecutive games of 30 or more in the postseason. If he's playing hurt, 
and I guarantee you he's sore. But I give him a tip of the hat for just being gutty to go out there and, and do the things he's still doing, despite the fact he's lost a bit of lift at the moment. Uh, and he doesn't talk about it, right? And that's the other thing. It's kind of a throwback uh, to the days that we always talk about, 97 and 98, with a couple of guys named Stockton and Malone. But, you know, in reality, Jake, those times have changed. Those players are, are from a different breed. This is a new era of players where medical doctors, people who are, in, uh, you know, in, interested in your future, uh, you don't, you know, you may say let's play, but you've got to go through protocol to even get back on the floor once you're injured. I think that's one of the things that we've seen with Mike at this time. And Donovan, I think after being held out in game one against Memphis, is maybe taking a little bit more, I don't know, he's been more vocal behind closed doors about uh, I'm going. And I, I think Jazz fans should applaud the effort because right now he's still doing marvelous things if he is not 100%. Uh, I respect the guy a lot. I really do. Bowler, uh, we've got Joe Ingles sitting down for media availability. Is it cool if we catch up with you a little later on in the week? Absolutely, man. Tell it. Tell, tell Joe. Jingle. Let's go. Hit uh, a three and let's get a win. I'll talk right. to you guys next week. All Thanks, right, Bowler. Bowler. Thanks, buddy. All right, let's go now to Jazz Media Availability and Joe Ingles. What really changed from the first half to the second that kind of made that possible? What What do you look at going forward that you guys need to do differently? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first, second half were kind of a contrast of each other. I think we were, I think we just got a bit stagnant in that, that first half, first kind of quarter. Um, I don't think we played necessarily like on the back foot, but we, we got a bit stagnant. They loaded up the floor with, with obviously their, whatever they're like six, nine across the board kind of thing um, with that starting unit. Um, and then, yeah, I think in the second half, we, we played the way kind of we expect to play. Um, breaking the paint, making plays on the defensive end. Um, I think in the first half they had, someone said they had 12 or 13, like second chance points. Um, we had like five or six turnovers. Um, <clears throat> obviously stuff we expect um, not to do, but obviously at times as well, we, we like um, I said it a million times, we obviously have some turnovers because we are unselfish and we move the ball. Um but the second chance points, I think I think it was off like four or five offensive rebounds um, and, and kick out threes or whatever. Um, but I think in the second half, we played, like I said, played the way I guess we expected to play and, and expect ourselves to play every game. So um, we got the stops. We were out running, um, getting shots in transition, getting on the rim in transition, making plays for each other kind of breaking the paint and, and starting that blender and, and, and having them in, in the rotation. So, um, yeah, it's good to, to watch it, I guess, and, and, and see kind of, how, I guess, how big a difference it was. Um, and it's obviously clear, um, it's it, for us, it's the, the, the way we need to play. Rebecca Harlow, TNT. Hey Joe. Yeah. Just curious about, you know, the, the, the urgency because it kind of shifts now ever since game one you guys have been in control but now things are back to even how does that shift kind of the urgency knowing that tomorrow is a really big game for you guys and for you personally you know do you like that sort of feeling when you know there there's more pressure than ever in a series like, do you respond well to that i guess we'll find out in uh, 24 hours <laughs> um no, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, the urgency, I mean, as a professional athlete and someone that wants to win every game as a, as a team, not just me individually, it's um, something you expect every game, regardless if it's game 25 of the regular season, 72 or, or the playoffs. Um, there's obviously some games that um, we don't come out the right way and, and given different circumstances, but especially in the playoffs, like you, in the playoffs, um, I mean, being up 2-0, being up 2-1, whatever the situation is now, 2-2, um, the urgency should be the same regardless. We, we've we been in the situation, which I talked about the other day, of, of being up 3-1 and, and not necessarily probably not having the urgency, but maybe not at the right level that we, we needed to have it. Um, and we, we don't want to get back there. <laughs> it's a... Um, it's a it's a miserable time when you're sitting at home and you you know you've had had that lead. So um, 
Yeah, I mean, tomorrow's a, a big game, as they all have been. Obviously, with the, the scores 2-2 two, two now, it's, um, it's kind of a, a three-game series. And, and we played all regular season to have the home court advantage, to be to be able to represent our, our fans and our organization at home. And we've got that opportunity. So um, I'm confident with our group of guys that we'll be ready to go tomorrow. Um, we, we've watched film. We've, we've seen, like I was saying on the last question, kind of what we need to do and the, the way that we feel like is a good way for us to play. And it's shown success in, in this series as well. Um, so it'll be, it'll be fun. Um, I, I would kind of embrace the the moment as the guy, like there's any, I, I think you've got to enjoy it. It's not about not taking it serious, but having fun out there, enjoying it. What we've done all year, we've, we've enjoyed these challenges, whether it be, like I said, game one or game 72, um, being locked in and, and focused on what we need to do, but, but enjoying it and enjoying having 18,000 fans coming to watch us and, and do what we do. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I'm confident our guys will, will be ready to go and, and locked in and, um, yeah, it'll be exciting. And last one for you, Joe, but, you know, with PG and Kawhi, 65 points to go, 62 last night. Um, obviously, they're terrific players. You guys are also a terrific defensive team. Walk me through after going through film, kind of how do you pay attention to both of those guys at the same time? And do you feel like there's anything specifically that you guys have unlocked now that you can tweak heading into this game tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, the, obviously the, the in a series is kind of constant adjustments. It's a chess game of, of, they started big the second game. They went back small. They blitzed Donovan. They didn't like the, every game. There's kind of something different. They played zone one game for a little bit. Um, we came played zone for a little bit. It, it changes all the time. And um, I think in the first couple of games, we did a really good job on those guys, making it tough. Obviously they, they have the ball and have the, the, the shots, whatever you want to call it, the, the usage percentage and stuff like that. They're going to have the ball and, Positions and um, I mean they moved Kawhi's ISO from posting him up to the to the block or to the elbow, um, so they they're, they're going to keep making adjustments. Obviously, we've seen that, um, and obviously he um, was pretty successful sex, successful in that situation. Um, PG more off pick and roll, um, kind of getting his his off that way. So um, yeah, we've, we've we've obviously watched it. There, there'll be things we'll do differently. There'll be things we do the same as things that work and, and that you change every game. There's things you take as well that have, have been good. Um, kind of like I was saying with, with the second half offensively, there's things we did in the second half, which we've done all series that uh, have been really successful for us. So um, yeah, again, we'll, we watch the film. Uh, we'll watch again a bit more tomorrow morning and, and make some adjustments on the court and um, yeah, come out with a, a good attitude, ready to go focused. And um, yeah, like I said, we'll be, we'll be ready to go. All right, we have time for one last question. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Joe, when I asked this question, I realized that the inclination is going to be to talk about Donovan in the way that you know him personally, like you know that he's a hard worker and stuff. But I, I kind of want you to maybe just look at, as a, at it as like an observer of basketball, what he's been able to do in just four years and also like extending that what he's able to do in these playoff series while he's been injured. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I mean, if I was a fan of the jazz, I'd be pretty happy with the draft pick they made. <laughs> I'd give a thumbs up to the guys upstairs. Um, I mean, it's, I guess it's hard to comment as like a, as an observer or cause I am, I'm obviously lucky enough to be around him every day. Um, it's very different to sitting in the, the crowd and seeing him twice a week or once a year, depending on where we play, if you're in New York or wherever kind of the, the fans are based. But um, yeah, like I said, I think it's um, if I was sitting in a, a chair four, four years ago when he got drafted and um seeing his progression from that, I think it's very obvious where he's come and where he's still going. It's not, it's not like he's like flatline now and that that's kind of, is who he is. Um, I think every year they, they would know, obviously we notice it, but they fans, the general public would notice that his, um, his level just kind of keeps some, some days it kind of goes a bit more skyrocket. Some days it's, 
a little flatter, but it's constantly rising. Um, not just with awards that he wins or dunk contests or like whatever it is, all-star. Um, like for me, and obviously again, like it's hard being the, the player in this as well, but like, uh, I'm sure they would fans would see the reads he's making from year one to year four, from year two to three. Um, it's, it's special. I mean, it's why obviously the guys upstairs draft him. It's why Quinn put the ball in his hands and he ended up starting after however many 20 games or 50, whatever that was that, that first year. Um, and why we trusted him to take that role as a, as a kid when he, he first got here. Um, and you can do all that and hope that it works. Um, I think with, with the way it was handled, the way, again, seeing him on a daily basis, it was obvious that we could do that from game 15 or whatever it was. So, um, I don't want to say like, I'm necessarily like proud of him cause he's my team teammate, but sounds like a father son thing, but like, um, it is, it's, it's really cool to, to watch and be around and, um, try and help him in ways that I can for him. Um, but again, I mean, he watches film, he, he does the right things. He, like you said, with that, he does everything with his ankle to make sure he's good to go each game. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to be around him. Um, and I'm sure from the outside looking in, if you're not around us on a daily basis, I, I would be surprised if there'd be many people out there that could say they haven't noticed what he's been able to do or the progress he's made. Um, yeah, it's, it's impressive. I don't know how many players make the, I mean, there's obviously players that make the jumps and, and leaps that he has, but, but it's a very special number of guys that, that are able to do it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's cool to be around. Um, maybe one day in like however many years when I retire, I'll, you can ask me the same question and I'll see if he's, um, I've got a different answer as a pure observer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to be around on a, on a daily basis. Joe Ingles, his media availability today. Uh, you heard that live. We're hoping to hear from Coach Snyder live here coming up momentarily. But any thoughts on what you heard from uh, Joe right there, Gordon? Just that he said that they're going to be ready. You know, they're going to make the adjustments and they're going to be ready to go. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I think that's what was said after game three, too. Right? So you're saying they're just words. No, I just I, – I think they're intentions. And so – uh, like Quinn likes to say, okay, you make a plan, and then how's the execution go? Well, that's that's what we have to see, and we'll see how it goes on the Jazz's home floor. I expect the Jazz to play much better here than they played in Los Angeles. Um, I think the comfort level is higher. Uh, obviously, that the Jazz won those first two games against the Clippers here, and so I think they think they can do the same. Uh, they, they, I think they believe they have figured out what they need to do to beat the Clippers. Now it's just a matter of whether they can do it. We'll get to Coach Snyder around the corner. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Oh, 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 oh. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Inflatable pool, full of dad's hot air. Well, I was three years old. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about Davis Vision and their summer LASIK sale going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses, save $1,000, start your road to better vision. No Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call today, 801-253-3080. That is Davis Vision. We're expecting to hear from Coach Quinn Snyder coming up here uh, any moment, actually. As we're just in a hold. We're in a waiting pattern. In radio lingo, Gordon, it's our job to tread water. So what are we going to do? You want to do a little song? You want to <laughs> sing for everybody? Should, should I? Yeah, Go you want to do a soft shoe? I can uh, no. video it and we can put it out Have online. Have you ever sung on the air? Uh, not, uh, yes, but not intentionally. What's your karaoke gear go-to? 
I don't know. I haven't done karaoke in a long time. You seem like a karaoke guy. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm hilariously bad. I used to do Thank God I'm a Country Boy, which uh, is a good tune. Just give us a hint. Uh, my brother used to do... I'm not going to sing on the air. <laughs> okay. uh, my brother used to do the Humpty Dance, which I thought was pretty funny. Was it funny or was it just because he was your brother? No, it was funny. Mm. Okay. That's a pretty funny song to do karaoke. Let me ask you this, Jake. Uh, when you heard what Joe Ingalls said, were you... I mean, I don't want to say were you surprised by his optimism because obviously these players aren't going to look at it like, oh, my gosh, we're in trouble now. But did you pick up anything from what he said that uh, gave you an indication that they had found something? Uh, no, but I I told you that I thought the post game last night was rather optimistic. I mean, are you surprised that the players actually on the team don't share your gloom and doom? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, did you, did you, did you, did you interpret that that the reason they were optimistic is because they had found gold? Mm, I think the reason they're optimistic is because they feel they can win the series. Do you think they can win the series? Yes, I think they can. Do you think they will? Mm, I don't know. One of us picked the Clippers to win the Western Conference, and it wasn't you. So you think the Jazz are in trouble? I thought the Clippers would be the Western Conference champions at the beginning of the playoffs. So, you know, they things, look good. They things look change. Good. Yeah, I mean, I look like a moron after the first two games of the playoffs. So, you know, things change and things evolve. You were the one telling me that you're picking the Jazz to lose in six unless they win game five. I said that earlier in the show. Yes, I did. Yeah. So Yeah, they have to win so, game five. So things, that's not that's not revolutionary information. Things that, yeah, but you gave them no chance in game six unless they won game five. I said ninety percent chance. Well, that's yeah. pretty much no chance. Didn't they I lose ninety percent chance? That they year they lose. went to uh LA and won game seven in LA. Didn't they lose in that same pattern? Like, so tomorrow's game five, right? Didn't they lose game five in that series? Which L.A. series are you talking about? When the Jazz ended up beating L.A. on in, in game seven in L.A. The, the, Clippers, the Clippers with Gordon Hayward. Oh, the Clippers. I was, I'm sorry, Austin. I was, I was thinking the Lakers for some reason. Yeah, that, which would not make sense because they're not playing the Lakers right now. Uh, how did that go, that I series? Remember. I really don't remember Because game that. six was here, and yeah. the Jazz were up 3-2. So I guess that means the Jazz won Game Five in that series. In Lost Game Six here. here. And okay, that was a different team. Okay, yeah. Quinn. So two different teams. Okay. So you can't. There's no application now. But at least, yet, at least I'm talking facts and not just pulling percentages from the sky. Yeah, but yet you've brought up the Jazz blew a three-one lead in last year's playoffs like fifteen thousand times over the last few months. What? I have not brought that up any more than anybody else has. <laughs> That's probably true. Which is too much. <laughs> what is? What about everybody else has? Everybody else jumped off the bridge. <laughs> I think you're making stuff up over there. How am I making stuff up? Just, I haven't said I that. told I, you that the bubble was basically fiction and that blowing a 3-1 lead in that circumstance made nothing, meant nothing, and you've been arguing with me about that for months. No, we've been talking about the 3-1 situation with the Jazz, that they learned from it. I mean, who's been saying, oh, the Jazz blew that 3-1 lead last in the bubble in October and September? I mean, September, August and September, so they, they, there's no chance for anything positive to happen now. You, you brought it up when they were up 3-1 on Memphis. What did I bring up? Well, they did blow a 3-1 lead oh, last year. Oh, now you're just blowing <laughs> That's what you I did. I did not, because yes, I did. fully expected the Jazz to beat Memphis. Come on. <laughs> you did, too. Well, it did happen last year. It's not what I said. What are you looking at? I'm just listening. That's all I do. Uh, I listen okay. to the wisdom that you impart, and I remember. You can't fault you me were, because now, I remember. Okay, in what context was I saying that? The Jazz better be careful because they've blown a 3-1 lead in the past. I, I look, I expected the Jazz to beat Memphis. They were better than Memphis. It was pretty obvious that they were better than Memphis. So I think you're just, you're not treading water. You're flinging bowl all over the place here. Mm, I don't know. If it ain't on tape, I didn't say it.
Oh, we have it on tape. No, okay, play it for me then. Okay, play it. You want Austin? <laughs> you know how realistic that is to go find well, that I audio just at the snap of is, your fingers. It's a load of hooey. Well, you know that makes one of us. <laughs> no, I think people can read <laughs> makes, right through. That this. makes one of us. But it is a different team than the Jazz team that played the Clippers five years ago or whatever that was. For sure. What was that? Four years ago? Yeah. No, it was it was before Donovan. This is Donovan's fourth year, yeah, right? So, it was so it was five, five years, years ago. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's funny how times have changed since then, haven't they? That was a that was a different team. I mean, Rudy was involved in it. Favors was involved in it. Who else? Joe. Joe. Yeah. But everything is everything. Pretty much everything else has changed. I mean, yeah. Certainly, the Clippers have. That's for sure. And remember, Paul, Paul and Chris Paul was on that team. Who else was on that Clipper team? Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. That yeah. whole underachieving Clippers generation. <laughs> that speaking of blowing a three-one series, they did that to the Warriors, right? Did they? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so I I don't think it's unreasonable for me to. To think that the Jazz have to win tomorrow night to give themselves a real chance here. I mean, I don't think that's crazy talk. Well, you're saying the Jazz can't beat the Clippers twice in a row, and I just don't agree with that. Well, I no, I'm saying, well, yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. That is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's fine. I just don't agree with it. That's all. Well, Jake, you do agree that the odds are far better if they win tomorrow night. Okay. So I think we're saying the same thing. Sever, you're saying the series is over if they lose, and I don't agree. Okay. Jake. What? That's not you that hard? You know for a fact that, that that climb is extremely steep for the Jazz to win in L.A. and Well, I mean, especially in L.A., based on what we've seen so far in this series. And I don't think home court carries that much weight. See, again, we've talked about this before, too. That's not a deciding factor in my mind. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know what to tell you then. And it, was, it was quite a coincidence that the Clippers were able to play the way they've played in at the Staples Center as opposed to the way they've played here. Yeah, I think the adjustments. It adjust- was night and day. I think the adjustments they made had a lot more to do with that than the arena they were playing in. And you don't think the fact that the Jazz played as – uh, as uh, inconsistently as they did, had uh, nothing to do with the environment in which they were playing. I didn't say nothing. I, I think it's a it's a fairly big factor. See, that, there's where we differ. Yeah. I don't think it's that big a factor. It's well, a much bigger factor in college basketball per se than it is the NBA. I think when and, I, and I, I think we, one time I did a study of that, and I and college basketball was the place where the visiting team lost. The most frequently. But if you boil it down to it, why would we doubt that this Jazz team could possibly win two games in a row over anybody? I don't see – you can say tall order, and I get what you're saying, and I'm, I'm not saying anything, but we would be easy. But why would we put that out of reach of this Jazz oh, team? Well, I don't – I don't, Have you watched any, the last two games? I've watched them both, Jay Gordon. I host the pre okay. and post-game show, so well, I'm watching. I mean, I'm not asking literally, did you watch? I'm saying, look at it. Look at what happened. Did you watch the first two games? <laughs> Look at it. Look what happened. And those were here. Okay. But you don't think that mattered? Not as much as you do, apparently. Uh, there were, I, I, I'll, I'll give you this. In that second half yesterday, there were glimpses, just like Joe was talking about, of the way the Jazz are capable of playing. Uh, they just didn't do it quite as consistently, and and you know one half isn't enough. Yeah, they outscored the Clippers sixty fifty in the second half. That's there's some evidence there that the Jazz are capable of doing what they want to get accomplished, but they got to do it for a whole game, and so expecting it to happen in two games is is a little bit of a stretch if they don't get this game tomorrow night. Um, could it happen? Yeah, I guess it it could happen. We have seen the Jazz get awfully hot, but I just I just don't know 
against this particular team with uh, with with the athleticism that's there, with the with the skill that's there, and with the momentum that's there, that the Jazz can turn that turn that around if they lose three straight games to this team. The top 1660 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of college football. It's the top 1660 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon only right here on the Zone Sports Network. We'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every moment on the zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 95, 1280 The Zone. Gordon, we have some news. Uh, Jazz injury report. Actually, let's start here. Uh, James Harden is going to play tonight for the Nets going up against the Bucks. That game will tip off at 6.30 from Brooklyn. He thinks he's conquered his uh, hamstring issue, does he? Or at least have it, has it in control enough not to aggravate it again. Uh, and then Mike Conley, speaking of hamstrings, he's officially questionable for tomorrow night's game. Which is the same status we've heard about him for a number of games now. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, Harden, I wonder if him returning has something to do with the, the series turning a little bit and Kyrie not being available. Uh, likely not being available for the rest of the series. We'll see about going forward. But. These injuries are so – I mean – like one guy will, will, will injure his hamstring, and another guy injure his ankle, and it takes it depending the the degree of uh, severity just seems like there's a wide spectrum in that regard. So, all right, we'll see uh, the difference James Harden makes. I think he'll make a big one. At least you would think he would. On the other hand, uh, his first game back in a while, you always wonder about that. Man, managing injuries has got to be one of the more challenging things that a franchise has to deal with. And, and again, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. It feels like it should be simple, right? It should, well, the doctor said this. But <laughs> oftentimes it comes down to so many other things. Um, I mean, look no further. Speaking of Kawhi Leonard, do you remember, and, and you never see this in the NBA, which is why it stood out, but do you remember Kawhi Leonard's teammates, including Tony Parker yes. in San Antonio, calling him out for his yep. quad injury, mm-hmm. where Tony Parker said, he's like, I ripped my quad in two. <laughs> And I'm back here playing. Yeah. And he had a strain, and he's been out for an entire year. I mean, how if you're a franchise, how do you deal with that exactly? Because honestly, you can't, you can't demand Kawhi Leonard play in this circumstance. Just using something in the rearview mirror, but you can't go in there and be like, "You softy cakes, Tony Parker tore his, and he's playing. Get out there and play." You yeah. Know, what are you supposed to do? You would have to trust your medical staff. What are they telling you? And obviously, they're not the impaired, but uh, if they, they they probably have a pretty good idea about what what the degree of a, a, an injury should be and whether a guy can go or not. Uh, there have been those in, those times though when a player said, "No, I'm not ready." When the doctor said, "Yes, yes, you yeah, are." So who wins that argument? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because, and again, we, when we asked Coach Chiesa about this, he, he answered it and said, the only opinion that matters is that of the doctor, which is, of course, what you'd like to think. But it, it, it just, I don't see how it's that simple. Well, if it's, if it's uh, reversed is what it was with Donovan when he wanted to get back in the game and the medical staff said no. When it's a player says no and the medical staff is saying go, then now what kind of, what version of the player are you going to get? Right. Well, if he, if he doesn't want to go or he doesn't feel like he's ready to go, is his is his head going to be in the game? And and this is my theory, um, and and I'm not trying to slander anybody, but I think Kawhi Leonard was trying to use that injury to leverage his way out of town. Hmm. So how do you handle a situation like that where it's not about the injury at all? Yeah. In fact, about something entirely different. Well, this is what you do. You, I don't think you can. 
I don't think you can tolerate that. You know, if that, what are you going to do, force him to stay? I mean, it, it's a tug of war at that point. Well, what did San Antonio do? Well, he he was, he left. Well, no, they moved him. Well, I mean, but, that's what I mean. It's they, a, they had no choice. Right. And that's, I mean, this gets that's back the, to what? That's the condition of the NBA now. Uh, the well, players have the ultimate say. Player empowerment. And I told you I read that long, I think it was in the New Yorker, that long piece on Rich Paul, which really was a fascinating story. I mean, it was... <laughs> It was long, mm-hmm. but it was a fascinating story. And, and Rich Paul, who is LeBron's agent, by the way, and kind of, well, LeBron's buddy, I guess, but business partner since LeBron was a, a teenager. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he said that that's going to be LeBron's lasting legacy is player empowerment in wow. the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinn Snyder is addressing the media. Let's go there now. Quinn, I was just talking to Joe about Donovan, and I'd asked him, you know, as an observer of just the game, is it what's it like to see a player who's able to been do, been able to do what Donovan has done in four years and even sort of in a more narrow scope, what he's been able to do in these playoffs, considering the pain that he's playing through right now. And Joe had said, you know, it's a very select special few players who can make the leaps that he's made and do what he's doing on the court right now. In, in your experience, what is it that, I guess, distinguishes a player like Donovan from the others that lets him, that's able to make him that kind of player that can make those kinds of leaps and bounds and play through pain and still elevate his game meanwhile. Well, I, I think, you know, to your point about, you know, even now he's, he's playing through, you know, he's playing through pain and he's, so he's, I think that shows his mental toughness. Um, I think it shows his competitiveness. I think those are two of the things that that have allowed him to to improve the way he has and to you know to become the player he has. The, the other thing is his work ethic. Um, you know that he he's one of those guys that that you know loves to work on his game, and he's been you know really coachable and tactical um, about how he approaches his work. I think you know whether it's you know, his willingness to listen to whether it's a coach or a teammate, um, in addition to him studying the game, you know, he's just always looking for ways to get better. And I think that's demonstrative of a hunger that he has, you know, to be great. Um, so the combination of those things, um, that, that the results are, are what you're seeing. Becca Harlow, TNT. Hey, Coach, you know, over the last couple of games, you've had stretches where your offense has been stagnant here. And after going through the film, in those stretches where you've got Donovan, who's got things going on, but the rest of your starters um, haven't been able to put up the numbers that they usually do, what do you need to see from the rest of the guys heading into game five? Well, I think, you know, it starts – with our ability, you know, to, to play in a way that, that connects us. And, and some of that is, is certain concepts that, um, that we've had success with throughout the course of the year, you know, we need to continue to try to do. And then in other situations, um, you know, we need to adjust to their personnel and some of the things they're doing, um, whether that means, um, if they're trapping Donovan, you know, getting the ball out of the trap quicker, um, guys that receive the ball being more prepared to either shoot or make a play. Um, I, I think there, there's, there's actions and plays and certain things that, um, you know, you want to focus on that, that are more efficient. And I think as you, um, unfortunately, as when you have a 13 point quarter, you have a, you know, the taste in your mouth of a 13 point quarter, but you also have an opportunity to look at it and to address it and to understand, you know, why those, those things happen. There's times when, you know, you're playing good offense and you're just missing shots and to differentiate those things um, I I think is important. So we, we, you know, we know our identity um, and we have to continue to, you know, to play to that. Um, but we also understand, I think that the playoffs are about, 
um, adjusting and not just in, adjusting just dur during from game to game, but also on a larger scale um, to a team that you're playing and their personnel, their length, um, their ability to cover space, many of the things that they do really well. Um, there's ways that we have to attack them that are different than, than we've had to attack certain teams um, or, or different than we we've had to even attack them say during the regular season or the first two games. So um, that's really, I think more the process than anything. And I, you know, I think that that will lead um, to other guys having opportunities to, 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 to be more productive. You know, the, those opportunities um, have to be created as well and we can create them you know, a number of ways and for us to be focused on it and to really know when, when they're there too, so that we take advantage of them. Um, we can't be surprised if there's a situation where you end up with a shot. You might be, you might not be as open as you'd like to be, um, you know, but if you don't take a shot or you don't drive the ball quickly, you know, you get up against the shot clock and that's, that's something that's, that's happened to us at, you know, too much as well. So I think anytime there's a, there's a load like that where you're, you're struggling, you know, you look at it and it's usually um, the combination of a lot of things that everybody needs to do a little bit better. And in addition to finding situations that um, can provide you with, you know, a greater probability of, of success. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. When along those lines, when we were talking to Joe a minute ago, he had mentioned how, in his view, once the second half came around, guys were started, guys were able to start breaking the paint a little more, start able, able to start getting the blender going a little more. Um, I guess just can you speak to kind of what some of the adjustments were that made that, you know, a little more workable than it was earlier in the game? Well, I think I think there was a couple things, you know, I think our mindset changed. Um, you know, sometimes you realize the, the, the urgency and the precision that you need to play with um, when the alternative, you know, doesn't give you the results that you want. Um, and that's true, you know, of any adjustment that you make, you know, it, it becomes very clear you know, certain things that you, you can or cannot do, um, against certain opponents. So without getting, you know, too deep into, you know, those things that, that we've talked about and, and again, met about today that we think we can do to help us, um, suffice to say, as I said before, that's, um, that's what the playoffs are about. And you try to figure things out and, you know, the other team adjusts and you adjust on that. And, you know, pretty soon you get to a point where, you know, people, you know, have an idea of what one another are doing. And then it comes down to, you know, competitiveness and, and, you know, kind of you know, force and execution and, you know, not allowing someone to take you out of something that if, if it's something that, you know, you need to do to be successful. Ben Anderson, kslsports.com. Quinn, somewhat along those lines, is there a limbo of making adjustments and trying things that are significantly different. And does that change based on kind of the series score? If it's you're up to O versus even when you're saying, you know, when you, we just need to execute better or you need to make kind of significant adjustments. There's a continuum, you know, I think, you know, for us, sometimes when you have success, um, you know, it's not just human nature, but it's rational, um, you know, to do what you do if it's, it's, if it's successful. So, you know, we, we, we won four straight coming into the series. We won the first two games in the series. The, the Clippers really raised their level. Um, they did a few things differently, um, you know, and, and, you know, you respond to that. I thought you saw some of that in the second half, but some of it too is a balance between you, you don't abandon. There's a reason you have an identity as a team. Um, there's a reason for us, you know, the, the regular season that we, you know, we played the way we did and, you know, you, you can't completely be taken out of who you are, um, because that's where your instincts are. That's where your identity lies. But at the same time, you know, there are things that, that you need to do differently, particularly against, um, an opponent when you're, you're playing them multiple times and an opponent really of their caliber, um, you know, that they, they play a certain way 
Um, and you know, we, we have certain personnel and you know, that that's one of the things that, you know, that you want to try to do, you, you want to try to put your guys in positions to be as successful as, as they can be. And, um, that that's really the way in, in my mind that you approach it, whether it's on the defensive end or, or the offensive end, you know, some of the things we were doing in game one, you know, over time become less effective. Um, you know, and then there's some teams that maybe they're less effective, but you just need to do them better, um, or, or adjust a little bit or adjust a read or anticipate something or know how you're being guarded, um, where it's recognition either from a personnel standpoint, um, or, or a situation, something that works well, you know, after a miss where you're running, um, maybe different than something that you're doing on a dead ball situation. And so it all, it also involves those lineups, um, lineups and matchups where there's situations where certain players are going to be able to have success attacking, um, one guy and not another, you know, and that that's really true, um, all the time, but it, it just becomes more focal, um, when, when you're playing a team in the playoffs. All right. That's all the questions. Thank you very much for your time, coach. Thanks. All right, there you go. That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder and his media availability today. Of course, game five between the Jazz and the Clippers here at Vivint Arena going down tomorrow night. Tip-off a little after 8. Pre-game begins at 7. Coming up next, more Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, coming up uh, this time tomorrow, Gordon, will be fading into the old pregame show. It'll be another game day. Yes, it will. And uh, everybody is so eager to see what's going to happen in, in game five. Um, it's There's a lot at stake here. I, I don't know if it's, like I said earlier, definitive, but it uh, is pretty darn significant. So we'll see how the Jazz, uh, like I said, the, these playoff series, I've seen so many of them where they absolutely change from one game to the next. We'll see if it happens here. Yeah, well, it'll be fascinating, no doubt. No time like playoff time around here, that's for sure. We'll get the pregame started this time uh, coming up tomorrow. We'll be back out on the plaza again. Coach Lacombe and I will uh, we'll get you ready and, of course, do half-end post-game for you as well. Will the Jazz be as hot inside the building as it is outside the building? Well, based on my conversation with you today, I don't even know why they showed up. <laughs> I mean, they're dead in the water. I don't know. Like, they should just I forfeit. Say, I didn't say that about tomorrow night's game. No, just the rest of them. I no, I said that they have to win that game tomorrow night. I think they should just forfeit it. What's the point? <laughs> You're yeah, full of it. Well, we can't win. Don't try, Gordon. We're just uh, why don't you spare everybody the the heartbreak of it all and just forfeit? Why? I didn't say that. I said they have to win the game tomorrow night, Game Five. It's important. All right, uh, we will talk to you tomorrow on the big show. It is Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone.